Thomas, Sister Peggy gave birth to a baby girl, nine pounds and two ounces, yesterday. Ashley Ray. And Brother O'Neill got here this morning, all grinning. And Sister Pam gave birth to a baby girl, Liana Crystal. This morning? This morning at 444. Isn't that great? Praise God. Let's give them a good hand. And we have with us this morning, they may have been here uh, while I was gone already, but Andy and Connie are with us, Andy, Connie, and Nickledem. They just got married up in Nina about, uh, what, three weeks, two weeks ago now? Or three? Three weeks. The 14th. All right. We have a, a Perry and a Connie, an Andy and a Kathy. Now we've got an Andy and a Connie. <laughs> Praise God. That's all great. <clears throat> the Lord is good, isn't he? And we just welcome Andy and Connie to our assembly. Of course, Andy has been here through the school year, and he will continue his studies here at the UW, and Connie has joined him here, and we just want them to feel right at home at Calvary Gospel Church. <clears throat> Praise God. The Lord is so great. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Luke, the 22nd chapter. We'd like for you, when you pray, to pray for Brother uh, Chuck Cox. I have not heard from them, but they had to go out of town on an emergency trip because of his mother's condition. His mother was given only a few days to live. So you pray for Brother Cox, if you would, that God would just touch him and strengthen him and touch his mother. And it's good to be back at Calvary Gospel Church. Uh, I came came in here, as most of you already know, wearing these glasses, and everybody looking at me and making all kinds of comments. I was trying to be so uh, normal and inconspicuous, and Brother Crowder comes up grinning like a possum eating briars. <laughs> Everybody's examined them and found out that I had bifocals. Besides, I told someone I just joined the Four Bs Club. Baldness, bifocals, bulges, and bunions. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> now, if I pull these glasses off when I'm preaching, uh, don't... Uh, don't criticize me. I pulled them on and off so many times over at the camp. My sister Grant told me, she said, Honey, I, I wanted to count how many times you pull those glasses off. I can't go down the steps with these bifocals. For some reason, I can't work them. And I've already fallen one time with them on. So, But uh, with your understanding and the help of the Lord, I'll be able to make it. Luke 22, Luke 22, 
verse 28. And I welcome all of our guests to Calvary Gospel Church. Good to see all of you here. We regret that we're not having a stewardship class. Brother Cox went out of town, and Brother Rossing went to work yesterday extremely early and worked extremely late. I think he told me he put in 12, 15 hours, something like that, Brother Rossing. So he just worked himself half to death. And we figured, rather than have a dead speaker downstairs, <coughs> no, no kidding. <laughs> we thought it would be good to not call on Brother Rossing after I talked with him to fulfill that responsibility. A man can only do so much. And I want you to know, I sincerely appreciate the stewardship classes the people conducting them, Brother and Sister Cox and Brother and Sister Rossing, they are doing an outstanding job. Now, we will be starting a new stewardship class real soon. I meant real soon. And we've got a good number of people that are already talking to us about it. And all the people that uh, are fairly new in the church, we want you to attend. And then we also have some people who have been in the church for a good number of years that would like to attend but we will be letting you know when. What we're going to do, we're going to have a Thursday night stewardship class, and then we're going to have a Sunday morning stewardship class. And we'll probably take and shift the, the class that's going now to Thursday night, and then we'll start the new stewardship class on Sunday morning. So we'll continue and finish the, the other stewardship class while the other one... Uh, is started and going. How many of you have not been in the stewardship classes? Would you raise your hand? All right, a good number of people. We could probably take care of all of the <clears throat> the new ones plus some of the older ones of our assembly who would like to attend. Now, we started this basically as training for new people. However, uh, after taking a careful look at the the curriculum, it's just a good curriculum for anybody to learn. It just, it's, what it is, it's just a whole lot of Bible in a short period of time. And, of course, uh, all of us who have been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Spirit, we want to keep our hunger and our appetite for the Word of the Lord. And I understand, Brother Seidel, that you had a very good youth camp. And good to have Brother Seidel back. Brother Seidel has been working up at those camps all summer long and it is a real opportunity to be able to do that but at the same time you know you can get uh, weary and well doing Luke 22 verse 28 year they which have continued with me in my temptations and I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father has hath appointed unto me isn't it good to know that God has appointed unto us a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> The Lord went on to say in verse 32, But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. 
And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. This particular passage of Scripture just hit me so very hard this past week because I I just saw, uh, whenever I say I saw, I'm basically saying in prayer, just praying for a good number of people and knowing some of the things that they've been going through. I saw how that Satan was really working on a few people that I am speaking to this morning. Now you see, if you've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you have been appointed a kingdom. It is God's desire to give you good things, wonderful things, great fellowship. And I really don't know where you can find a fellowship. You cannot find a fellowship greater than the fellowship of our brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's impossible. You just won't find it any place. Yesterday I was privileged to go out on Lake Michigan with five of our our brothers. We went down on Friday night. We rented one motel room and talked all night. We wanted to get some rest. I don't. Maybe one or two men went to sleep, but then after everybody hushed their talking, uh, nobody could go to sleep. And I looked up about three o'clock in the morning, and Brother Kurt was sitting up in the bed, just looking, just staring at the wall. <laughs> we were so eager. We went out to Lake Michigan. We chartered a boat and went out there fishing. We had a dynamite time. We didn't catch any fish, Harley. We usually do, but we didn't yesterday. But we just ha- we had such a great time. And you know, while you're just sitting there and enjoying your fellowship and and everything, it, it just it, it just it just comes upon you how great the fellowship of, of the church is. And and even though you're having fun fishing. There seems to be an element in what you're doing that's greater than than what you're doing. It's not the fishing that really. While we all like to fish, otherwise we wouldn't have been there. But but it's just the fellowship. Just to be able to sit there for nine hours on the boat and just talk and we just we had a great time. Now don't you, wouldn't you like to go fishing? <laughs> but uh, it, it is really great, and to know then that we can assemble here in the sanctuary while on a Friday night you're talking about some corny things and cutting up and and going on these men were doing it like the ladies at the ladies retreat some of you ladies remember that uh, I thought I would just kind of check your mind here before you ladies got to thinking too critically so uh, <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, we really had some corny things going. You know, just even everything was silly, and those guys were just laughing and rolling, and and then to be able to come to the house of God and talk about some of the very serious issues of life, and I mean real serious issues of life, some heavy stuff, and it is indeed great to be able to do that. Now, the Lord has given us to a kingdom. It is my Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, Jesus said. When Jesus ascended, he commissioned the gospel in the hands of men. And and I know that 
that you understand that, that being the gospel has been commissioned in your hands while you are not Christ, you stand in Christ's stead to do the work, the unfinished work of the Master. And he trusted you enough to put it in your hands. Now that seems like pretty risky business to me. Especially knowing myself the way I know myself. However, this is the way it is. And you see, God wants you then to be a successful individual. Now when I write say success, successful, uh, most people's mind just goes to big houses and all this kind of I'm not talking about that. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Success in the kingdom. See, God does not count slackness as some men count slackness. And slackness in this case is the opposite of success. And see, he doesn't count success then as some people count it. If, if, If you are fulfilled and you are content, what else do you need? And it is a known fact that wealth will not bring contentment. Quite the contrary. It usually brings a lot of uh, discontent and a lot of confusion. And this is the reason why that a lot of wealthy people are very greedy individuals. You cannot be greedy and be content at the same time. But he has given us the kingdom, and he wants us to be successful. However, just as God has certain desires for us, The Bible says that the Lord looked at Simon and he said, Now I want to tell you something, Simon. I've got some desires for you. I have some wishes for you. But he said, Satan, he has some desires also. Now just as I would like to elevate you and give you the kingdom, Satan would desire to crush you and grind you and sift you as wheat. Now, he called him Simon here. Uh, on most occasions, Jesus called him Peter. The word Peter actually means a pebble or a rock. Now, you can't sift a rock. But the word Simon actually means shifting sands. And you can sift the sand. But you can't sift the rock. Now, he used the term wheat here. And the reason why is because he uses this, this word wheat because he compares Peter to a ripe harvest field. Now, Jesus said in John 4.35, if you will turn there with me, John 4.34, let's read that. Jesus saith unto them, talking about his disciples, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Now the word meat here means strength. My power or my strength is to do the will of him that sent me. And to finish his work. And he has commissioned his work into our hands. 
As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, even so send I you. So our real strength is to do what? To do the will of God. That's where you're going to receive strength. That's where you're going to receive happiness. You'll not receive happiness any other way. And my w- <clears throat> uh, and to finish his work, let me read the scripture again. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. And to finish his work. My strength is what? Is to do his will, and my strength is also to finish his work. And you see, you're, you, you will not find any place, you will not find a relationship uh, of strength and power unless you're finishing the work of the Lord. Now, verse 35, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest? Question mark. What Jesus is saying here is, but wait a minute. I know the nature of man. The nature of man is to put off things and procrastinate. So you're not going to want to finish my work or do my will because you say there's plenty of time yet to do it. But Jesus shattered their thinking when he said, But behold, I say unto you. Evidently what happened here was that that Jesus mentioned this several months before harvest, about four months before harvest time. He was speaking of a different harvest. And he spoke of this on purpose uh, at this time on purpose, because in their own minds, what he was saying is, th- there is a harvest of souls around you all time. It is your strength to do his will, the will of God, and to finish his work. But the nature of man is to put things off. We want to wait a little while. We don't want to do it right now. And you see, that's the way the devil deals with people. He, he tells them that, oh, you've got another service to do this. You've you got another month to do this. I intend to do this. I intend to do that. Now, I have been in a supervisory capacity on several jobs that I've worked on. And, and one of the biggest, biggest problems that I have to deal with in dealing with people is this. Invariably, when you ask them, did you do that? In other words, what you were told to do, did you do it? They usually say, I intend to. That is, if they didn't do it. And they talked themselves into believing that what they intend to do, that good intentions count. But you see, God blesses a man and binds himself to man, not according to what he was, not according to what he plans on doing, but what he is right now. If anybody receives a blessing in this service today, it will not be because of what you promised God in the future. It will not be because of what you did yesterday, but what you actually have faith for right now. See? So, Jesus said, You're saying there's four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, 
Lift up your eyes and look on the fields. He said, for they are white already to harvest. And Jesus was actually saying, you say there's four months and then cometh harvest. But the truth of the matter is, we're four months from the physical harvest in the fall. But he's saying, but the harvest that I'm talking about is ripe right now. You can do it right now. You can get ready right now. You can get into the fields right now. You can finish the work of Christ right now. Now, Jesus told, told Satan, uh, I say Jesus told Satan, Jesus told Simon, pardon me, Jesus told Simon, he said, now, Satan understands the harvest too. And he knows the harvest is there. And he knows that your soul is ripe. And when a person's soul is ripe, that's the time to harvest it. But it is also one of the most vulnerable areas or times in a person's life. You see, when people are ready to be harvested for the Lord, they, they get this feeling of uneasiness and discontentment and, and they start searching and when they start searching, it is real easy for them to fall into the snare and the condemnation of the devil. This is the reason why that so many young people going through their adolescence and searching and, and not having their values in order can fall into deep sin that will destroy their whole future life. Isn't it a known fact that, that when, when young people approach, uh, they, they go out of adolescence and start into young adulthood, that they're ripe to be harvested? You, you know that. Look around you. For the most part, the people who are giving their hearts to the Lord today are young people. But at the same time, it is the youth of our nation that's destroying our nation. So when you get ripe to be harvested, you're very, very, very susceptible and vulnerable to satanic forces and powers. And that's what the Lord was telling Satan. He said, I say Satan, Simon. The Lord was telling Simon, he said, I have... A kingdom for you. I have a plan for you. I've got a program for you. But please remember, the devil also would like to take you, and he'd like to just crush you. You've got to crush something before you can sift it. Now, in John ten ten, the Bible tells us about the crushing forces of of the devil. John 10, verse 10, The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now this is the way the devil chooses to crush people. He really likes to lay it on you. Now, the reason why that sin looks so inviting and so tempting is because Satan has a way 
of blinding a person's eyes so that they don't see the truth or they they just over overlook the truth of the matter. In 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse 3, the Bible says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And so what Paul is saying is that the devil is a master at blinding people's eyes. Now the, the, the real truth is this. The only weapon that Satan has against people is his ability to lie. And make them believe it. You may say, well, what about drugs? Well, he first has to get inside of their mind and tell them it's all right for you to, to you know, to experience uh, uh, this thing. You can quit anytime you want. You don't have to get so deep into it. But you see, Satan's method, let's say that we were going to catch a bird this morning. Now, I remember when I was a kid, my dad taught me how to, to, to make bird traps. And so I have caught on occasion several full coveys of quail. And my dad taught me how to make a bird trap. I'd take the tiny limbs, the straight ones, and I would nail them together and make kind of a pyramid or like a cone and leave some of the leaves on it. And then I would take an ear of corn I would stand one stick up straight, one down, and one across, and it was all pivoting on the very top one coming down. And, of course, you notch it all out. You put an ear of corn on it. Now, that simply means <clears throat> this is an inviting thing for you to come and eat. But when you eat it, what's going to happen, You they peck on that ear of corn. The whole thing falls down, and... And the trap falls on top of them, a little pyramid-type trap, and they can't get out of it. Now, a quail would never go up in there and eat that ear of corn. So what you do then, you take part of the corn and you just kind of dot along the trail where the quails come. And what they do is, because they put their heads down to eat, and they peck along, and they're very gluttonous by nature, that they just peck along, peck along, peck along, and before they know it, they're underneath the trap, and here's this big ear of corn. They don't realize that they're underneath this cover. And so they get underneath this cover, and all the corn along the trail has been picked up, and then they start on the ear of corn, and as soon as they do, down it comes, and they're caught. Well, do you know Peter talks about us being snared by the devil? Paul talks about us being snared by the devil. He talks about the ministry being snared by the devil. He does. He talks about that. And see, that's what he's talking about. That, that Satan has a way to make things look so glorious and so good and so wonderful. But all he's doing is baiting the trail. 
And he's trying to lead you as far away from Calvary as he can. And the further you get away from Calvary, the greater the blindness is. Quit praying for a few days and see if it doesn't happen to you. You'll find that there will be an automatic change that takes place in your own mind. How you look at things, how you believe things, how you accept things, your values begin to change. When you walk away from prayer and you walk away from Bible reading, you need to walk away from God. It just happens to you. It's an automatic thing. You just seem to... Uh, and you see, Satan's method or Satan's tool is, I'm going to blind these people. I'm going to tell them a lie. If they believe that, then uh, that's naturally to their disadvantage, but that's the way I work. Now, it's all plainly written in the book. And, and you, you, there, not only is it in the book, but there are millions of examples walking right among us to verify that the evidence of this book is correct. It's all around us. It's there. So, he wants to crush you, though. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, after he has crushed you, he will then sift you. And the sifting is to separate you. That was the purpose of the sifting, to separate you. That just means to tear your life up to the point that it cannot be put back together. And that's exactly what the devil is wanting to do today. Now, we have talked to you about uh, true repentance, 2 Corinthians, the 7th chapter. I just want to call one scripture to your attention. So if you will turn there to 2 Corinthians 7. Verse 10, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. Not to be repented of. Now, there is a time in your life in which you do things that are wrong, and you understand it's wrong, and your heart smites you. Just like the, the apostles, the apostles made this testimony of Jesus Christ. They said, did not our hearts burn within us while he yet spake unto us the words of eternal life? And you see, that's, that's what happens when, when conviction grips you. There is a burning that takes place inside of you. I mean, it really hurts you. Have you ever done something that, that you were in question about, and maybe I got up here and preached, and all of a sudden it was just like Brother Grant was saying, you did it, you shouldn't have done it. And, and, you know, maybe I knew, maybe I didn't know. I'm not going to say that everything that I preach against, that I'm totally innocent. Some things I preach against and, and some things I get real nasty about, and I know what it's all about, and I intend to. But sometimes I don't. But all of a sudden, it burns inside of you. Oh, it burns inside of you. And, and when the altar call is given, you make your landing at the altar just like a jet fighter going in on a runway. Man, here you are. I mean, you, you don't procrastinate at all. God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And you begin to weep and you can't stop it. I mean, you literally cannot stop it. Now, I know that happens to people because it's happened to me. I've, I've done things that 
I was in question about, and uh, I somehow I talked myself into believing it as I listened to the devil. It's all right. It's all right. And then all of a sudden I read something out of the Bible or somebody gave a testimony or somebody preached to me. And you're talking about tearing me up inside. And I came down to the altar and I, I just couldn't stop. I tried. I couldn't stop it. Godless horror worketh repentance not to be repented of. Now the not to be repented of simply means never to be regretted. See, you, you don't regret that. At the time, you, you may feel mighty little and mighty small, but you don't regret it. But notice what he says. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. Now, there is a sorrow that comes from the world and from the devil. There are a lot of tears that are shed every night right here in the city of Madison over sin. But you see, they're ensnared. Because the God of the world has blinded their eyes. And, and, and they, look at, they look at life just like Jesus knew the apostles would look at it. And they say, tomorrow I'm going to change. So help me, I am. I wasn't raised to be this way. My mom really taught me better. Or my grandfather taught me better. Or my grandmother taught me better. Where I am right now, however, is what counts with God. Not what you were, not what you intend to do, but what you are right now. You see, that's what Jesus was trying to stress. And he says, the real happiness and contentment in life is not future expectation and not reminiscing of the past. But your real strength is what you're doing now. That's where happiness comes from. See. But I would say that right here in this city of almost 200,000, that many, 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 many pillows become wet with tears every night through sadness of today's activities. And many promises are made. God, I won't do that again. I promise you. But he said, the sorrow of the world worketh death. You see, true repentance is turning around. It's walking away from your sin. Just because you cried about something and said, I'm not going to do it again, and you go back and do it. Now, that's not repentance, see. That's not repentance. That's just that's the sorrow of the world. In other words... You know this thing's killing you. You're doing it anyway. It's smiting your conscience. You can't live with yourself, but I've got to do it because there's a real hankering. There's a real desire. There's a real thrust in my soul. I've re my flesh is addicted. I'm reaching out to this thing. Just give me one more day. I'm going to break away. I'm going to break away. That is the way the devil does it. That's the way the devil does it. And so he just kind of baits the trail and says, keep on eating. Keep on eating, keep on eating, keep on eating, keep on eating. Now, after a while, you find yourself in the condition that's spoken of in Second Timothy. In Second Timothy, 
Uh, let's start reading about verse 20. 2 Timothy 2, verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth. Now notice what he's saying. In a great house. Now I think there's a real secret in this. Listen, listen what Paul is saying. Now he's giving instruction to a young man. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth. Now that simply means in any church, that's what he's talking about. In any church, if it's a great church, contrary to what you think, there's going to be a whole lot of people that are real genuine, and there are going to be some of them not so genuine. Now you wouldn't believe that he would say that, would you? Now the reason why he said that is because, you see, we deal with the world. And every last one of you who are in the kingdom of God came out of the cosmos, the kingdom of the world. That's where you came from. But you see, God cannot make a gold vessel out of you just by filling you with the Holy Ghost. But you see, in a great house, there are people on various levels of learning and growth in God. We're not all perfect. I'd be the first to admit that I don't do everything the way that I even want to do it. But you see, in a great house, we can't just chop it off and say, okay, we'll take nobody else from the world. Why? Because we couldn't finish Christ's work. And we'll just perfect what we have. Doesn't work that way, does it? You see, we have fathers in the gospel, we have mothers in the gospel, and right down, we have our elders and so forth. And I'm not trying to make excuses for people doing wrong. It doesn't work. I mean, Calvary is not licensed for continual sin, not according to Romans 6. But if a church is doing the will of God, it will have vessels of gold, it will have vessels of silver, it will have vessels of wood and some of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. There's going to be new people who walk into this church within the next month that will bring dishonor to God. And you may say, wow, does that bother you, Brother Grant? No, it must be that way in a great house. Some people will come in and give their heart to God and disgrace the cause. But you see, when the Lord fills a person with the Holy Ghost, it's like a marriage, it's for better or worse. And even though it may cause some temporary shame to the house of God, He still takes the risk. He does that. You know, and every now and then you'll find a new person who does something that's wrong and, and what they want to do is drop out of the church. I've disgraced the church. Well, I understand that you should never use the church to wipe your feet on. But I also understand that it's God's will that none should perish. And God is willing to bear the shame to see you saved. Don't give up. Don't quit.
just because you think that you've, you've let the Lord down. It's that way in a great house. We could go out there and paint on our sign today, visitors are not welcome. And we could stop all the process of growth, that is, people coming inside. And we could just try to perfect the ones that we have. But listen, God would not be pleased with that. So there are some of honor and some to dishonor. But that's the way it is in a great house. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use and prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strive. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God preadventure would give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him and his will. You know there are people who are being held by the devil today at the devil's will. But what he's saying is, hey, these people need a way to get out of that. The, the devil is trying to destroy them. He's trying to break them down so he can sift them and divide them. And he blinds their minds. And you know, there's a, there is a lot of, of, of blindness going on in our world today. This, is, this world is a blind world. I brought with me two articles from the newspaper. And, and, and I, when I read the, these articles, I, I didn't know if I should weep about it or get mad about it. And, and a lot of you take the, the Madison newspaper disappeared yesterday. Did, did you see this? Playboy poses no problem for her. How many of you read this? This is a Wisconsin uh, co-ed. Uh, evidently, uh, Playboy magazine has made uh, a big deal of the girls. They call them girls. And she says, that's not true. We're women. But nevertheless, uh, I read the article taking from the Big Ten college campuses girls and putting them in the Playboy magazine. Now, <clears throat> it says in here that Playboy poses no problem for her. Her boyfriend talked her into doing this. I can hardly believe that. But it was her boyfriend. And she was afraid of what her boyfriend's mother would say because they were going to get married. And she would, her future mother-in-law... Well, you know, uh, she, she didn't want to pose a problem. Now, she goes on to say, and I, I read it directly from the newspaper. She said, I was nervous at first. Uh, but when they said, take off your clothes, it was like hearing your doctor say it, she reported. Now, listen to this. I had some problems in a religious sense, she added. I consider myself a Christian, but I couldn't find anything in the Bible where Jesus condemns nudity. So I asked myself, if what I was doing was truly wrong, and I couldn't see where I was. I think it's erotic, not pornographic. And um, 
Well, and she concludes this by saying, and as for her future mother-in-law, well, I had to tell her. She just said, thank goodness you're not nude. Well, it says she opposed in the nude. But my mother thought it was terrific, except she said I had on too many clothes. It's hard to believe that a mother would say that. I heard a talk show on Chicago when they were talking about Vanessa Williams and her pulling off her clothes. Now, the reason why I'm calling your attention to this, in all probability, this lady who has destroyed her life will never have a real good marriage. She can't be a good mother. She's being held captive at Satan's will. That all seems the thing to do right now. They said, well, what's wrong in the, in the Chicago talk show? They said, what's wrong with pulling off your clothes and, and posing and such? And they said that the man, not the man, but the, the woman now who took over Playboy magazine, who is the daughter of the man that started it, says that she gets 3,500 requests per month from American mothers trying to get their daughters to pose in the nude in Playboy. It was hard for us to find people who would pose in the nude. But now we have a long, 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 long line of ladies who want to get in. You know, <clears throat> this tells us then that the mood is shifting in our world. Satan is holding people captive at his own will. They intend to do something about it, but they just can't seem to get out of that snare. I also picked up the Metro page, and it says, River folks burn over bare bottoms. And they were saying in Mazamani, in the beaches there, as many as 150 to 200 people visit daily without any clothes on. Now, well, now please understand, you know, that's only about 30 miles from here. Or maybe a little further from the east side. I, I just can't hardly, <clears throat> I can't hardly believe it. I read that, I like to died. But you see, the, the mood is changing. It's definitely changing. And then the scripture came to my attention that Jesus spoke of in Luke 17. When Jesus spoke of the end of the world, he spoke of his coming. He prophesied about his second coming. He spoke that he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. As it was in the days of Noah, verse 26, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now, you see, a lot of people think that when Jesus Christ comes back, the world's going to be so bad from a standpoint of 
of economics and from the standpoint of of our social living uh, that that everybody will know that it's it's coming. You see, when Jesus prophesied in, in, in Matthew 24, he said there's going to be famine and pestilences and such. But when Jesus prophesied in Luke 17, he spoke of a contrasting condition. Now, you've got books. You can go down to the bookstore. You find books that, like this, The Day the Dollar Dies. You know, it might just be the dollar never dies. Then they talk about the, the, the crash of, of American economy. Did you know that the American economy may be thriving when Jesus comes back? Because the contrasting condition, while some people are dying from starvation, Peter also said in the last days people will make their belly their God. There's going to be a lot of eating and drinking going on, a lot of partying. Not only that, he said they were building so, you know, there, there just might be a great building boom right here in the States when Jesus comes back. So maybe you never thought of that. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is because, see, a lot of people know that, the, hey, you know, this hour is coming. There's, there's a lot of things not right. And I, I plan on it now. You, you mark it down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be ready when Jesus Christ comes back. Now, what happened, however, he goes on, then he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. And he talked about how Lot and his daughters were instructed to get out of the city. Do you know that when Lot left Sodom and Gomorrah, that God sent two angels, one on each side of him, and literally picked him up and carried him out? He didn't want to go. Now, he really didn't. And his wife was told, along with all the other family, don't look back. Now, she looked back. Why did she look back? She knew when she looked back what was going to happen. What was going to happen when she looked back. But she looked back anyway. And, and you will find that that seems to be the, the, the mood that's in our world today. Brother Brian Downey is over in our youth class today. And uh, he is making a presentation. He's got all of his slides and everything on rock music. And I went through those slides. Some of them I, I said, no, you're not going to show these in, a, in a, a youth class. Now, please understand, he wasn't trying to show them. He wanted me to pick out the ones. He just went and took pictures from covers uh, of rock albums. And you'd be surprised how many words... The lyrics of the songs where people are talking about burning in hell with the devil forever. I was really amazed. I, mean, I, was, I was shocked whenever I saw, saw those, those lyrics. Of some of the, they, they were actually talking about submitting to Satan who wanted to destroy them and kill them. But you see, the mood that's in our world today is, well, I guess I don't have much of a choice. Now, the purpose of the church is to recover them who are held captive at Satan at his will. 
And the mood that came across Lot's wife was, the angel of the Lord told me not to look back. Lot told me not to look back. And I know if I look back that I'm going to die. I'll be destroyed right here. But I've got to do it anyway. And when Sodom and Gomorrah was going up in the smoke, because she physically left, but inside, all of her love and desires were back in Sodom. I've got to look anyway. And she turned. And when she did, she became a pillar of salt. She was destroyed. And that's the, that's the real mood of today. The real mood of the day of today. That, that it just seems like the, Satan is holding people captive as his own will. And, and, and people are all over saying, well, we don't really have much of a choice. You know, it's the lesser of two evils. This type of thing. Well, I disagree with that, but I know the mood has been set in our world today to sift mankind as wheat, to divide him, and to destroy him. Listen to me. And, and all of you parents, listen to me. If you have ever in your life developed a real love for high moral standards and Christian character, You need to do that today. You see what's happening now is that true Bible believers with this kind of garbage and this kind of philosophy flowing through Christian churches. When I say Christian, I'm talking about the so-called religious Christian community. It sure makes the real, real Christian stick out and stand up. Well, you see, we have to do that. And the reason why we have to do that, and the reason why we want to do it, we want to do it, first of all, because we know where our real salvation comes from. And we want to be Bible Christians. But secondly, in this society that's searching for what's right, they need a measuring stick. I can assure you, you cannot measure the Christian community alongside the world by this article that you find here about this girl who wanted to pose for Playboy. Now pray tell me, what in the world is she doing? I mean, the I would say this, that, that the average church-going Christian today would not even entertain the idea of doing this. And yet she's saying, well, that's Christian. You see, since the Garden of Eden, since the Garden of Eden, things have changed. God clothed man when he sent them out of the garden. Somebody just told me something, and I I know that we have a few young people here, but this would be good for some of these young people to hear this. Somebody just asked me, Brother Grant, why is it biologically possible 
for a young woman and a young man to bear children, sometimes at the age of 10, 11, and 12 years old. And they said, if I've ever questioned God, I question why God made a boy capable of fathering a child when he's 11 and 12. Now, can you give me an answer for that? That was a big hang-up in their mind. I said, well, I think I have the answer. The answer is that man was made innocent. And he was supposed to dwell in Eden. But when sin came upon the world, what may be biologically possible becomes prohibitive. And just because the nude body may be pleasurable to look upon, it becomes prohibitive because man spoiled it to start with. And you and I who live in this God-forsaken society, and I'm not saying God has forsaken, I'm saying they have forsaken God. You and I need to, first of all, thank the Lord that he has delivered his kingdom to us. Oh, hallelujah. And that we have such a beautiful, beautiful fellowship and such a beautiful lifestyle. And we can rear our children in decency to respect each other and to respect God. I just thank the Lord so much for the church. Let's lift our hands and praise it. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Oh, God. I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, God. Praise God, praise God. We'd like for our organist and pianist to come at this time. I trust that none of these things that I've said that you consider offensive today, I, I've certainly not said any of these things about nudity and such to be offensive. Praise God.
by my word and by my spirit, I come to you today to offer you the comfort that you need in this world of unrest. I have written in my word that whosoever shall fall upon the rock, he shall be broken. And while Satan desires to break you, it is my desire also to break you. But when I break you, I take out the elements that are not good, but the elements that are bent to destroy you. And when I put you back together, I put you back together with good moral character and high values to bring to you a lifestyle of tranquility, a lifestyle of serenity, a lifestyle of peace and happiness. While the devil takes you apart, he takes all the good out of you and the very image of myself that was put in you at the beginning is then destroyed so that you become a worshiper of the creature more than the creator and change the glorious gospel of God into a lie. I am your God and I stand among you to inform you that I am soon to come back. And when I come back, I choose to take people who have my nature alive inside of them. I ask you to stand up tall in this perverted world and let the light of the gospel shine as a city that's set up on a hill. I ask you to give very careful thought to your children, for it is in your children that your own moral character and virtue will be transplanted. May they also let the glorious gospel shine forth in their lives. Yea, my children, have I not written that ye shall judge the world? And if this be true, I set you alongside of myself as a perfect example of what this world could have been had they not have forsaken me. Come to me today and find rest. I will grant to you the wishes of your heart, saith the Lord. Oh, God. Now, i I got to tell you, I don't really know what to do right now. And whenever I reach a place where I don't know what to do, I just simply don't do anything. So would you do what you feel like you need to do? If you want to get up and come down here, that's fine. If you want to kneel right back where you are, that's fine. Just do whatever you feel that you need to do.
bless him.